Thanks for tuning in to another edition of our Roots Running Podcast. Support for this podcast and our team comes from sponsors and charitable donations, giving our athletes resources to continue pursuing their dreams at the highest level. As always, if you like the content we're providing, please subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes and follow our team on Instagram or Twitter at Roots underscore running for updates on how our team is performing. In addition, if you'd like to consider making a charitable donation, please go to our website at rootsrunning.org. A quick thanks to one of our sponsors, 361 USA, whose award-winning quick foam technology provides the necessary support in a lightweight shoe to keep our athletes healthy while pushing their performance limits. where you're thinking like I'm in way over my head like you're this. praying to the coach you do not make a mistake <laughs> yeah. keep me yeah. <laughs> I promise it's only up from here yeah my girlfriend at the time like after I was there for a while I got a girlfriend but she thought I was a javelin thrower when I first came <laughs> yeah. in it was like no come on I'm a cross country guy Hey guys, I'm Richie Hansen, coach of the Roots Running Project, and in this episode, I'm sitting down with our newest guy athlete, Wade Metals. Wade grew up in a very small town on the outskirts of Reno, Nevada, but had a tremendous amount of success at the high school level, finishing third in the nation his senior year at both cross-country at the Foot Locker Nationals and in the two-mile at the New Balance National Meet. This success provided him a full scholarship, allowing him to be the first in his family to go to college. But injuries, a little bit of immaturity, a school transfer, ultimately derailed that promise that he had shown coming out of high school. So after graduating, he decided to give up the sport completely. He didn't run a step for 18 months after graduating before deciding to give himself one last chance at seeing what he could do. So he began training again this past January and saw encouraging success on the roads, finishing 11th at the U.S. 10K Championships, 8th at the U.S. 7-Mile Championships, and 9th at the U.S. 20K Championships. Wade joined our team this fall and should be on your radar as one to watch as he has a blue-collar mentality, a positive outlook, and a load of talent that should serve him well on the post-collegiate level. Here's his story. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another edition of our Roots Running Sessions podcast. Today, I'm sitting with our newest guy in the group, Wade Metals. Wade, thanks for for joining us today. Yeah, you and thanks I have some. Me. You and I have some wine here. Yeah, Richie we're gonna went ahead and bought some Wolf Trap red wine. Yeah, Wolf Trap to get you to get you hungry like the wolf as you go into your your first half marathon this weekend. Yeah. So you excited for this upcoming weekend? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I usually deal with uh, being nervous. Like I, I usually don't get nervous too much, but I think the fact that uh, my dad and brother are coming out um, it adds a little more, a little more pressure. But um, it's always good to have a little bit of pressure because I feel like that kind of um, keeps you sharp, keeps you motivated, keeps um, you engaged. Yeah, it keeps you engaged. Like uh, keeps your focus on the right things. And um, first time doing a half marathon, so. Um, I've done a 20k before, but that's uh, you know, that's a 20k. So and you you did that this past September at the New Haven, which is the U.S. 20k champs. Yeah. 
and you were ninth overall there, yeah. correct? Yeah. Um, what did you think of the distance when you did there? It's a tough course and it's humid all the, all the time. But yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I usually go into every race not really not really having a game plan, which I think can either um, be beneficial or a little bit negative. But um, try not to think too much about the negative, just more about uh, wanting to get in and race and yeah. be a part of the group and. Um, Mix it up a little bit. Yeah, thing that I've been finding is like, just when you uh, when you kind of go with everybody uh, from the start, you're already up in that that top top pack where you need to be. And, and so, you can see everything. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, so. And you and I kind of talked about with Houston, even potentially ditching the watch, not even wearing a watch when you go in there. It's your first half marathon, and that can be intimidating for some people to not have a watch. For that distance of an event mm-hmm. but i think for someone like yourself who does like to race and kind of mix it up and you you are really good about kind of just running by feel on your effort and if the effort feels strong and you feel controlled mixing it up with the pack that you might find yourself with um that might suit you better than focusing too much on trying to operate within a certain pace range yeah yeah how do you feel about that going into the half um yeah it's kind of the game plan just kind of let the body do what it does um, I think the new training system that I'm on with Roots uh, would definitely like work a lot more of the, the longer distance, like long runs, um, running at pace rather than just going out and bebopping around for two hours. Uh, it's definitely beneficial. I feel and like that's, that's new for you, right? Yeah, it's new. Yeah. Like I, I mean, it's something that people have been doing for years, but I just I've never done it. Cause yeah. I'm, kind of ignorant to a lot of things with well, running sometimes that's a good thing though yeah, yeah yeah for sure well and i think too i mean training with someone like noah and willie that can be pretty even mm-hmm. even killed personalities but also they're really good at just kind of locking into a specific rhythm it helps you kind of shut off the mind sometimes and just lock in with them so you get a good feel for what that effort might feel like yeah yeah and like the first workout when i first got out here it was uh i think we were doing a tempo no, I was doing tempo. You were a fart lick. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think the first time I did a tempo with Willie, oh, yeah. I blasted it just yeah. because that's that's what I'm used to doing. Yeah. And uh, those guys, like, I don't know, I think training with them is very beneficial for me because they know how to uh, kind of keep me, like, level. Yeah. And uh, I think that's going to be beneficial for, like, long term as far as, like, not wanting to always just go destroy every single workout it's like you need to have that kind of clarity in your mind to be able to uh just kind of take the workouts as they are and run the pace that you're prescribed because obviously it's for a reason yeah and i think it's something too where it's like you're someone that does like to push and learning how to kind of do both Mm -hmm. push and then also be able to to lock into a rhythm when it calls for it and be a little bit more patient because we do train pretty hard and pretty consistently that you have to weigh your efforts on a day-to-day basis, knowing that you might have a workout coming up not too soon in the future. Yeah. Um, and the recovery aspect tends to play an important role, which mm-hmm. obviously when you first moved out here, you were working a job, you were on your feet all the time and it just, yeah. it got you tired. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of nice now where it's like, you don't have that. Yeah. And you can just relax a little bit. Yeah. It's much different. Yeah. And yeah. you see that with the workouts too. Yeah, for sure. So let's let's 
kind of dive into your, your backstory a little bit, and then we'll kind of talk about what you are looking forward to for the future, let alone how you kind of operate in the present. You were born in California, but you mm-hmm. guys moved when you were pretty young out to Nevada, yeah. right? How was growing? You told me before we started this that you you first moved to Smith Valley. When did you grow up mostly there? Or did you grow mostly up in Reno? Uh, Smith Valley. Um, so Smith Valley is a very small town. It's a ranch town. Um, graduating class there was. Um, I didn't graduate from Smith Valley High School, but. If I had stayed, our graduating class would have been 20 kids. So that's Was that an altitude, too, or um, Reno's altitude? Smith Valley, yeah, I would say it was probably like 40, 45. Okay. So, it's, I mean, it's a, it's in the hills. Yeah, a like, little smaller than here, but not much smaller. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, we moved there when I was about three or four, and we moved into a, um, it was actually for the ranchers, a little uh, house basically on like a strawberry. Um, at the time, they were harvesting strawberries for the uh, the starters, uh-huh. not for the strawberries themselves, uh-huh. but for the starter plants. Okay. So, um, not to get like dramatic or anything, but you know, my family's never been um, well off. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's where I get a lot of my will and drive to just constantly be fighting for everything that mm-hmm. I can get. Um, so I can remember times when we'd all go out as kids to pick strawberries out of the fields because they didn't care about the strawberries. They yeah. wanted starters. My, my mom actually was working. She's always worked in the dental field. My dad's a construction worker. Um, so, you know, like we didn't own any ranches ourselves, but we've always kind of been surrounded by ranches and yeah. people that are, uh, you know, working ranches and stuff. So, um. Just kind of that that true grit kind of willingness to work um, has been instilled in us kids since we were very little. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think being the youngest of, of five siblings, I've kind of had to learn how to like just basically keep up um, in order to be a part of what's going on and yep. um, just kind of learning how to uh, basically learning from what they've done, like in their lives is something that I pay attention to. Yeah. Um, and you said you're the youngest of how many siblings? Five. Five. And were they all pretty close in age to you or was there a disparity where it's, you're the youngest, but maybe you don't connect as well with some of the older ones because there's a large age group or maybe you're pretty close in age. So you're competitive with them as you're growing up. Like what was the age difference? Uh, the age difference, we, we range pretty far. Um, my two older brothers uh, were actually, my mom was married before she married my, my dad. Mm-hmm. And so she had two, um, two boys with, with that guy. And then um, uh, her and my dad had me, Jake, and Jamie. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, like we all just consider, we're, we're, we're a very close family. Like yeah. um, even now we hardly ever see each other uh, just because with life we all get busy with you know, they have kids now and everything, but, um, I think that's something that's like always been very important in our family is just that, that how close we are with each other. Yeah. Used uh, to doing everything together. Yeah. And it's never competitive. It's never, you know, we just, I think we're all just with real with each other all the time. Pretty supportive. Yeah, for sure. Anything that we decide to do, we just 
support each other 100%. So. Were you the only athlete, or were any of your siblings athletes as well? Um, everyone's done sports. Everyone did sports in high school and everything. Um, I was the first one of the immediate family to be going to college, mm-hmm. um, and then let alone to be going to college on a full-ride scholarship. Yeah, That was like, I mean, we didn't really know how to even take that, so it was like yeah. a lot of big decisions. Um, you know, it was just kind of like we were just happy to even be going like yeah Yeah. it was was cool so uh but my mom actually used to she used to run when she was in high school is she who got you into the sport no i just kind of well she would always run um just to stay in shape she never really did it out of like trying to do anything competitive but uh i'd always just try and keep up with her or i would always see her out running so that always like sparked an interest in my mind and it was actually out in Smith Valley. There's a race out there called the, um, I forget what it's called, but it's a 5K. Okay. And so she did it one year, and then the next year I wanted to do it with her. Yeah. And then uh, I think that's kind of where where things kind of all started. Started. Sort How of. old were you when you did that race? Uh, shoot, I think I was in like fifth grade. Okay. Fifth yeah. or sixth grade. Yeah. It's actually cool. My mom, she's told me that like um, when she was in high school, the I forget what time it was exactly. I think she said it was like 4.59 mile she oh, ran. Wow. So, I mean, Pretty good for yeah, girls. She, yeah. and she didn't train. She would run in Converse shoes because, like, you know, her family wasn't very well off either. Yeah. And so, you know, but she stopped doing that because she didn't have the, the support group from her family. So she just yeah. didn't really know any better. And I think that's definitely where I get most of... Um, my natural ability to be able to run because mm-hmm. like I'll see pictures of her when she was like younger I have the same build we're both just skinny very <laughs> yeah. skinny very yeah. lengthy like you know so it's it's cool to see that because my dad's more of like a he's definitely a stockier dude Huskier, yeah. yeah he played football and you know he's a construction worker now so like he's 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 obviously got some some skills too in, in sports and, and everything but I think I definitely got more of more of her traits. What about when you got to high school? I'm assuming you ran cross country track all four years, or did no, you play other so, sports? Yeah, the first uh, first two years, freshman sophomore year. Well, I didn't play football my sophomore year. I played my freshman year. Um, what position? Quarterback. Nice. Yeah, but yeah. it was very small school, so it's yeah, like, <laughs> just pick a position and yeah. go for it. But uh, sophomore year, I was going to try out. I uh, did like two or three days of practice, and then uh, one of my friends busted his knee up really bad. This was at football. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I had a really, I had a pretty good first year of track um, out at that school. Do you remember what you ran? Uh, I think no. I mean, I was definitely like um, I took second at state in the mile, or actually second in both the mile and the two mile. So like. Pretty I don't decent. know what the time. Yeah. I don't remember what the times were, but yeah, um, there was like there was a coach out there at the time. His name was Jim Gleason, uh-huh. and he would always tell me like you need to you need to focus, focus. like yeah. take this serious because like he's like dude you you like you don't run you run twenty miles a week. Yeah. He's like you went out and won. I mean you you took second at at state in the yeah. mile and two mile. He's like you like next year let's. Let's focus. Let's yeah. see what we can do. Was he your coach in high school, or is he just one of the coaches that you would see in the state meet? Uh, the first, the first, um, yeah, it was the first year. 
Um, he had been coaching at that school for, I think, 10 years or so. And he had built up a really decent like track program. Mm-hmm. And so I tried out because of the, the decency of all the people that were basically, you know, doing Competing, it. Kind of thing. Yeah. And it was well-rounded, you know. They had a really good sprint program, um, really good, like, field program. And it was basically all him. He was just kind of pouring out his, his heart and soul into it. He yeah. had two kids that were studs. On the team at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it was just the thing to do. Yeah. So freshman year, did that, and uh, I was kind of like their distance guy. Yeah. Um, and then the second year, he decided to uh, basically step down because he was, you know, he'd been there for long enough, which mm-hmm. I get it. Um, <clears throat> so the second year, I opted out of football because uh, I didn't want to get injured. Yep. And then um, did track and field, and there I ran against the kid. His name was Nate Shellman, uh-huh. and he was like for. For Nevada, he was, like, the man. Yeah. So, um, I took second in the mile behind him. We both ran a four, 424. And that was your sophomore year? Yeah. That, and, was, that was in Reno. So and that's, that's like, at altitude. Yeah, that's pretty good altitude. Yeah. And then um, I won the two-mile the next day. And uh, Do you remember the time? It was, um, I think it was, like, a 9, 9.45, I want to say. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was out of PR at the time. Yep. So yeah. you got 424 and 945 as a sophomore in high school mm-hmm. at altitude. Yeah. In a back-to-back day. Yeah. It's pretty talented. And so it was at, it was at that state meet. Um, I saw a team that was based out of Gardnerville, Nevada, mm-hmm. which is 30 minutes away from where we lived. Um, and it was, it was con- I considered it like a, a town. Yeah. You know, it's bigger. So... Um, they actually had a grocery store. Yeah. You guys <laughs> so it was like, no, we you guys have to, to travel. Yeah. yeah. We had to travel to go get our food. It yeah. Like, it was just the thing to do though. So didn't yeah. know any better. Yeah. It was more like a family thing. Like every weekend we'd go into town and yep. spend the day in, in town and get some food. And there then, is something special about that. Though. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It was definitely cool. So, um, it, the, the school was Sarah Lutheran high mm-hmm. school. It was a Lutheran. It was a Christian Lutheran school. Private school. Private yeah. school. And what really sparked my interest with them was their coach. Yeah. His name is Dave Marson. Um, he's also the owner of uh, Nature's Bakery, uh-huh. Fig Bars. Yeah. Which, if everyone likes those, go buy them. <laughs> yeah. It's all natural ingredients. <laughs> yeah, they're a nice, nice snack. But uh, once I kind of saw, like, the just how everyone treated each other on that team, um, their core principles were based around... You know, God, obviously. Yep. And I think... And you're a pretty spiritual, religious yeah. guy yourself. Your yeah. family as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think um, that tends to go a long ways with how how people, you know, by, by treating people well and always being there for people, trying to be there for people, we mm-hmm. always come up short a little bit sometimes. But I think the fact that you have that mindset that, you know, you're willing to help your brother out or mm-hmm. your sister out when they need it. Um, you're willing to always be positive, even though sometimes things might not always go your way. Mm-hmm. It's contagious. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it is, you know. And now you had a team that was kind of looking out for you as well. Yeah. So I moved there in my junior year and that's when I started doing cross country and then track. Was the team pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good team. Yeah. Um, there was a kid below me. His name's uh, Nathaniel Williams, uh-huh. yep. and that guy was—he uh, was a sponge. So like everything that I would be doing, 
based off of what Dave Marson wanted me to do, he was just soaking everything up constantly, like always trying to learn, always he was teaching me things. He would know more about me sometimes than I would know, like my stats and all this stuff. So it was like, it was definitely nice to have, um, to be more of a, um, kind of put in that leadership role based off of, not only based off of, you know, your performances, but based off of like how hard you work in practice and stuff too. Um, so I kind of, I feel like I was kind of taking on a leadership role there as far as like, you know, obviously if you're the, if you're the best on the team, people look up to you. But you're also the new guy. Yeah. The new guy. Which is tough too. So it was like, it was a, it was a hard balance. Yeah. But once I kind of started to settle in, um, yeah, it was just mostly about doing, trying to get into like a routine of Mm -hmm. upping the mileage in a safe way. And, um, staying healthy while doing that. staying healthy, getting the mindset of, of how running should be. Um, cause I was coming into it green. I didn't yeah. know anything. Yeah. I was just, all I knew was just go run, go run, you know, and run hard miles. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like, there was so much that I had to learn. And, uh, I feel like Dave Marson, like, cause he ran in college. Mm-hmm. I think his fastest mile was uh four Oh one. Do you remember where he ran? He actually ran at UNR. Okay. Before yeah. they had their, their title nine that took away the men's program. Track program. Yeah. So. Yeah. He ran there, and um, he had a really good, a really successful um, running career. Mm-hmm. So he he knew a lot. Like he was a very busy guy, but he is a very smart guy as well. Yeah, I think that's why he's so successful in his business too, because he's yeah. just just he's, on it. He's on it. Yeah, yeah. he's he's constantly like going. You know, so it's uh, kind of helped me to understand the running process a little more. And so. I mean, you improved obviously quite a bit your senior year. Mm-hmm. You saw some pretty fast marks. Yeah. We were talking today at practice, like you ran 408 for the mile. You ran in a sub nine in the two mile, right? Mm-hmm. What was yeah. your best two mile time? Uh, ran that out at New Balance Nationals. Um, that was against the two Rosa twins. Yep. And were very good. Lucas versus Biggest. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few other names, but. Those guys, I feel like I was always trying to key off of just because I would see them most and yeah. like they were the guys that were just dominating. Yeah. So, um, took third there with the 8.52 in the two mile. So you were third at New Balance Nationals for track mm-hmm. for the two mile. You're also third at Foot Locker Nationals. Yeah. In cross country. Yeah. Um, was that a surprise to you? You knew there were some good guys in there. Mm-hmm. The year before... We we tried it my first year with Dave Marson at under, the regional meet. Yeah, under his coaching. Um, and that was your first time going to Foot Locker Regionals. Yeah, yeah, first time even knowing what that was. I yeah. was just like, I have no idea. Let's yeah. go though. I'm down. Like, yeah. let's do it, man. So, do you remember where it was? It was at Walnut or it was, it Mount, was, Zach. Uh, Mount Zach. It was yeah. a tough course. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. very tough. So uh, we kind of went in not really have any expectations. We didn't know, like, we didn't even know what was going on. And, um, so I took 11th at regionals that year, first one out. Yeah. And, uh, that was, that was eye opening cause it was like, okay, obviously I have the potential to qualify for this team, but I just need one more year to, to develop and get stronger, get stronger. And, yeah. and so he kind of helped me like realize that, like, don't, don't get down on yourself. Like you just, you need more time. Like, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And so, um, 
you know, I had a decent track season. I don't really know what I did my junior year with track, but it was more my senior year that I feel like things started to really kind of click, and I started to get on that, that national scale as far as, like, in the high school division. Well, and we were talking earlier this season about, like, there's a lot of pr- good pro runners that were in that footlocker national meet the yeah. year that you did it. Like, yeah. I think, what, Lucas first pick has won it. Mm-hmm. I think right behind you was Craig Lutz yeah. in fourth. Yeah. Uh, I think Carabella Rosso was in there. Yeah. And then um, Scott Fobble yeah. was in, like, 16th. Yeah. I think Colby Alexander was in there. Mm-hmm. There's one other guy that I'm forgetting that was in there as well, but there's some guys that are still competing and competing really well at the post-collegiate level yeah, yeah. that you were able to contend with, obviously, way back at the prep school level. Yeah, yeah. But don't take this the wrong way because Azusa Pacific is a very good school, mm-hmm. but you're third in the nation in the two-mile and you're third in the nation in cross-country. Why Azusa versus another bigger program? Were you getting recruited by other schools or did you kind of fly under the radar? Uh, yeah, I was, I was like... I was getting mail and stuff, and I just was throwing it away, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I didn't know. I didn't know any better. I yeah. was the only one of my family to be going to school, and the only one to be on a scholarship. So it was like, it was one of those things where, you know, I was um, trying to figure it out on my own, yeah. which was very hard. And my parents, they're always, they're always very supportive of, of whatever I do. Yeah. And so... You know, I think it was important for my mom, especially both both my mom and dad, but my mom that I was going to, uh, you know, a Christian school somewhere yep. that she felt where I would be still in that kind of um, routine. Yep. Um, and so I, I I agreed with her, and like I think it's important too. So um, I basically the head coach um, drove up, and we all had dinner, and he kind of just put things out on the table and, and said, you know, we were very interested in you. Um, you know, we want you on our team, be a good asset and everything. That night we were just, we were excited, man. It was yeah. like, okay, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to college. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is cool. It's all going to be free. Like, yeah, this is, so this is, I can do this. Yeah. And, uh, shortly after that, I ran that, that Mount Sac race, um, which is actually basically the cross country one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's there. It's in their backyard. Yeah. And so they, they showed up, um, both coaches showed up and watched and I took second there and you could just tell they were like, okay, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't regret it at all because I think no matter what we do in life, things are, things are in motion for a reason and we learn from every experience that we go through. So I can, I can say right now, like going into college, my coming off of such a successful high school career, Going into college, I was a prick. Mm-hmm. I was a know-it-all. A little um, cocky. Cocky. Yeah. Strong-headed. Which is funny because the way that we know is so calming and very <laughs> But like I stoic. said, you got to go through things to, <laughs> to, to slowly develop your personality. Yeah, and perspective and, and on life. life. Yeah. 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 And so I think going to Azusa Pacific, um, you know, I had, I had successful, I had a few successful races. Um, I had more more failures than anything, but um, I was... well, one of the things, Wade, when you and I first talked, that impressed me mm-hmm. was that when you were reflecting back on your time at Azusa Pacific, like you said, you, like you just said, you were a little cocky, a little mm-hmm. bit of a prick, but it was also that thing that you recognize 
the coach was trying to do what was right for you. Yeah. And at the time, you were too cocky to realize it. Yeah. It took you a little bit after you already left to kind of recognize that he was trying to do what was right for you. Yeah. And trying to do what was best for you for your future. Yeah. I think that's a special quality to have that like reflection back to be able to understand the times that you make a mistake, the times that you can understand when someone is there looking out for you and you learn from it. There's too many people that don't have that same ability that they always feel like they're the ones that were wronged and it's someone else's fault for Mm -hmm. why they didn't see the success that they felt like they were deserved. Yeah. You're 25. That shows a lot of maturity for a 25 year old, but it also shows that like, the 17, 18 year old, it was just like you said, ignorant with the sport. And yeah. Having to still learn, even though you had success at high school, like college is still a different level. Mm-hmm. Like you may have experienced now as a pro, pro is a different level. Yeah. So, what made you leave from Azusa to you ended up at Eastern Kentucky? What sparked the transition? And again, I don't want you to go too, if you don't feel comfortable talking about like the details that led you to Eastern Kentucky, but then also why Eastern Kentucky? Mm. So, um, I was injured quite a bit at Azusa, but it was, uh, it was at, it was my sophomore year. It was at indoor track. Um, I actually developed a stress fracture in my femur and, uh, I tried to run through it at the, I, I ran the mile still with, with the stress fracture. We didn't know it at the time, but that was probably the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. It was just, uh, I still went out and did it. I think I ran like a 424. On a stress fracture. On a stress fracture in my femur. But I'm lucky that it didn't break. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm lucky that I was able to, you know, get, get through, through it. it. And then um, it wasn't until we got back uh, I started having, I think I had like two or three MRIs done. Um, they thought it was a torn labrum at first. Yeah. Which luckily it wasn't a torn labrum because that yeah. would have been, been tough to get through. Yeah. But uh, it turned out to be just a, just a crack and the, um, basically the neck leading to the ball joint. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I had to take six months off, um, just kind of basically walking around by then they, were you was, on crutches at all too? No, I was too, they said they was, I'd been walking on it for long enough to where crutches would have been just kind of like, yeah, it wouldn't have really help. helped. Yeah. So they just said, don't do anything like strenuous on it, but keep trying to walk on it, which was really tough. Like yeah. going to class on campus, I was like gimping around everywhere. And, and you feel pain. feel pain the whole time. Um, and I think having um, really good friends, um, like Abednego Magoot yep. and his wife, Jackie Magoot, um, they were both Kenyans that ran on the team. And my sophomore year, they were both done with the eligibility, but they were still going through school. Um, they pretty much adopted me. Like as their, as like their, looking after their you. family. Yeah, even yeah. now we still talk like yeah, that's a lot. Cool. We stay we stay in really good touch, and um, those those two people I think I would literally do anything for whenever they needed it. Um, I think having people that will be by your side in the ups and downs, like uh, I'll I just always remember them. But yeah. so that was kind of a rough period with with running, but. Um, so I decided that I wanted to try and um, pursue something in different. a different location, just because I think it was uh, mostly running on concrete. It takes a toll on you after a little while. So um, decided to basically get my release. Um, I didn't have a plan. I just 
wanted to be done with that school. So I got my release, I came back home, I started working, um, doing some landscaping, some construction here and there. Just, How long did you do that? Just the summer. Okay. Just the summer between uh, semesters. So it wasn't like I was, uh, you know, missing anything. It would have just been a normal summer. Yeah, you're rehabbing anyways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got in touch with um, the guy, a, a family friend. His name's Ross McMahon. Um, he... He's a contractor up in uh, Tahoe, Mm -hmm. and my dad's been working with him off and on for, like, a number of years now. He's a very avid runner, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, he's he's also taught me a lot of lessons just about the sport. Mm -hmm. Um, He got me in touch with a guy that used to go to Eastern Kentucky Mm -hmm. University. His name's Tim Menocker, Mm -hmm. and um, so they were pretty much discussing me. They were talking about me, and then... Tim got in touch with the head coach for that school for Eastern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it was just one day at work. I got a phone call and they were like, hey, like, you got to start reaching out to this guy. So I had a few phone calls with uh, um, the coach, the Erdmans, yeah, yeah. Out, at, out in Richmond, Kentucky. And uh, when I started talking to him and decided that I wanted to pursue it, it was really late. It was like, I think it was in August. And they somehow were able to get like 75% scholarship. So I'm like, okay, like I'm ready. And another plus was that it was a D1 school. It was in in the D1. Up up competition. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, like I'm not ready for it at all. I'm out of shape. Like I'm coming off an injury. But it was Did you still compete that cross country season or did you redshirt? No, they brought me on and I was going right away. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So thrown into the fire. I was thrown into the fire. The first race was terrible. I just like, it was one of those moments where you're thinking like, I'm in way over my head. Like you're praying to the coach. You do not make a mistake. (laughs) Keep me. (laughs) I promise it's only up from here. Yeah. My girlfriend at the time, like after I was there for a while, I got a girlfriend, but she thought I was a javelin thrower when I first came <laughs> yeah. in. It was like, no, come on. I'm a cross-country guy. <laughs> yeah. I had some weight on me. So uh, it wasn't until, like, the second or third race where I started to finally, like, get in shape. Um, I was just doing a lot of stuff on my own, basically, a lot of just junk miles just to try and shed the weight and get get. Is that where legs. you found your love for cross-training? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I started doing that a lot. Um, there's a grass loop in Richmond, Kentucky. That's uh, it's like three miles, and it's a lot of hills. So I would literally just any moment that I had, I would go out there, put the earbuds in, and just just go, just Crank. grind, just run, yeah. just get it done. And uh, that that year, that same year, um, I was able to squeak by 38th place at NCAA's uh, the, nationals. The nationals. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like all American, and then. Coming off of a stress fracture in yeah. your femur. Yeah. But it just shows you that, you know, like the determination and will to just grind, like it, it can push you. It can Yeah, the can focus, the hard work, fast. structure. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the wanting to prove yourself to a new program. Yeah. yeah. And you also, you I mean, Elkana Cabet, who you just raced at U.S. Club Cross, mm-hmm. he's... He, he made the world championships for the marathon. He was one of your roommates, right? Yeah, in when I first got there, I, I moved, I, they dropped me off at night. It was like midnight. And uh, it was um, a two, it was actually, yeah, it was like a two bedroom place. 
one one bedroom didn't have a door, so it was just like a curtain. It was a yeah, it was a curtain, and uh, they dropped me off, and I had a sleeping bag and all my clothes, and that was it. Yeah. And so I go in, and um, I didn't meet him until the next day, but that was one of those moments where you're like, what am I doing? Like I should not be here. But so I lived with him for two or three months, and um, he taught me a lot of stuff just in that short period of time, like just kind of, you know, to get out there and, and get it done. And he'd always tell me, like, while you're progressing your mileage, like last five, ten minutes of each run, like try and, try and bring it up a little bit. So that, that way you start to develop that ability to, like, pour it on at the end. Yeah. And then, you know, just add increments of five every time so like let's say you last five minutes you pick it up two weeks later do 10 minutes two weeks later do 15 so it was a slow build but um you know he he taught me a lot of stuff just living with him and And he's a very very positive person yeah he is yeah Yeah, and that can be contagious too yeah like you're we i mean we joke with you and say that you're like an eternal optimist Mm -hmm. on the team and we pointed out the couple times where you've been maybe a little quiet at practice or grumpy because the coffee hasn't kicked in yet. Yeah. And it's like, what is the optimist way, like not super energetic? <laughs> and it's not that you're in in your face, energetic, positive person, like bubbly, not like bouncing off the walls. You're just, you're a very, you always have a positive take outlook on the workout, on yeah. the day. Where did that start to get developed? Was that while you're at Eastern Kentucky? Because, like you said, you're a little punk at yeah. Pacific. No, Eastern Kentucky was a. I met a lot of really good people. I'm very glad I went there. Um, a lot of a lot of international people, a lot mm-hmm. of Africans, a lot of Europeans. Um, personally, for my running career, it wasn't like I didn't really have a successful time at Eastern Kentucky. I don't. Well, I, mean, I don't believe I did. It's not that you didn't have a bat. You were still ran, you know, yeah. 1346, yeah. five and. Like you said, you were 38th at NCAA Cross. Yeah. Um, what were you senior year? Senior year, I, I fell off the horse pretty hard. Um, I think once I got that full ride scholarship and, um, you know, not saying anything about her, but, you know, once you get into a relationship, it's like... It can be a detraction. Yeah, you, your focus goes to other places, and, yeah. which isn't bad. You know, yeah. it's, it's good. It's actually a good thing. Like, yeah. But um, I fell off the horse quite a bit. Um I just, the focus wasn't there for running 100%, which I think if you want to... It's a good lesson, too. Yeah, if you want to potentially, like, try and achieve something great with running, like, you have to make sacrifices, and I think for me, it was definitely, like, having, you, you, for me, I have to be selfish. I have to basically be in it for myself. Like, I, I can't have a girlfriend... Or else my focus goes other places. So and, and for I know you, that about myself. For those of you listening at home, Wade <laughs> currently lives in the basement of some of his teammates' house on a cot. And we've offered him a bed, and he refuses it because he wants the cot life. The Spartan lifestyle. It's a good life. It's a good life. You're, you're tied to your cot. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I ran some fast times at Eastern Kentucky, but I think as a on a whole, um, I don't consider it a successful time just because I think, uh, there was a lot of time that was spent, um, squandering my training, just taking the easy road rather than doing what I'm doing now. And that's like 
trying to utilize every every moment of every day to and basically make yourself a little bit better, like yeah. no matter what. So now I'm gonna pour us a little bit more wine here because we're gonna get into the next phase. <laughs> we gotta we gotta go to the next. No, we're, level, we're going so. we're going deep here. <laughs> Wade's got a little bit of wine in front of him, and he's got some chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> so he can open up here. We're going deep. We're going deep. Oh, that's good. Okay. You didn't, like you said, by your standards, you didn't have as successful as a career as you felt like you should have, even though you still ran some decent times. Mm-hmm. Now, you were a talented kid coming out of high school. You kind of lost your way for two years. You found a good spot from a outlook standpoint at Eastern Kentucky. Maybe it didn't optimize your ability when you were at Eastern Kentucky. You still performed decently. But then you quit the sport. Yeah. So yeah. kind of take me through that. What, what, why didn't you pursue it when you graduated from Eastern Kentucky? When did you find your way back to Reno? Like, why did you choose the path that you went initially? When I was finally done at Eastern Kentucky, I think I had just had such bad luck with um, trying to find a love and passion with the sport. I never really, I never really, uh, that's that's basically it, was I considered as a, it as a sport. It wasn't... Uh, it wasn't a lifestyle. It was a sport to me. It was something that you get in shape for for you do. a certain amount of time. And then once you have your off-season, then you take off-season. You don't do anything. You focus on other things. But I think slowly I've, I've gotten out of the idea that running is a sport. And I've been able to basically take everything that I've been through with both high school, college success and taking a year and a half off and basically removing myself from from running a hundred percent not thinking about it not even stepping foot in a pair of running shoes for a good year and a half um just basically i got a job i started working 40 hours a week it was a good job what you were doing landscaping landscaping yeah so it was a good job I i was still active i was still outside i was like amongst the trees and the, you know, birds and the bees. And it was good. Like, it was awesome. But, um, I think what really kind of got me going on it was the fact that I would always, you'd always have that nudge in the back of the mind. That's like, I wonder what's like, I wonder what people are doing. I wonder what, you know, certain people are doing that are, that I used to run against. I used to compete against. Like, what are they, what are they up to? So like you check on them sometimes and, they'd be running these times and getting like sponsorships and you know, you'd be like, what am I, what am I doing? I'm just working like this, this, you know, that any ability that I had, I feel like I'm just basically throwing it away. And so, you know, I had some pretty in-depth discussions with my parents, um, with my siblings. And one thing that we would always say was like, you need to basically, not see running as a sport you need to see it as a lifestyle you know just make it something that you do not because you have to do it but because you want to it makes you feel good like it it's good for your brain it's good for your body it's good for i feel like it's contagious if you go if you wake up in the morning and go for a 10 mile run i feel like the rest of your day is going to be like well i just went for a 10 mile run so i'm not going to like start eating a bunch of 
junk food because you're trying to supply your body with what yeah, yeah. Good, fuel, good fuel yeah and so I think the slow slow development of that kind of mindset like okay don't look at this as a sport anymore like let's start thinking about it as a your lifestyle like a way to basically improve yourself every day um, you know whether it's through running or through cross training or through yoga or whatever like let's try and improve your body somehow so um, that's when I approached Dave Marson again your high school coach my high school coach and so I basically gave him a call and uh, he he owns Nature's Bakery, which was, it's booming. It's doing really good as a business. So I gave him a call and I asked him if he'd ever be considered in, in trying to sponsor a runner and, you know, try and get into the circuit. Like, let's, let's do this. And I think the fact that he knew me, he knew my ability, he knew like that I like can take it serious when I want to, Mm -hmm. he was more than willing and also, he's just a good guy. Like, he's willing to help anybody out when they need it. Mm-hmm. And so, I called him up, and me and him had a discussion at his house. And, you know, he was fired up. He was like, Excited, yeah, like, yeah. This, this is cool. Because I think he had that kind of foresight. Like, okay, he's been out of it for a while. Like, he's realized that, you know, he's still got some potential. And now he's hungry. So when you have potential and you have somebody that's hungry, that's like a dangerous, that can be a dangerous combination. Well, and that's the way that we see you in workouts. And you've had one race so far with us. You finished sixth place at the USATF Club club Cross Country Meet. And you're such an optimist. You're such a calming personality in life. Mm -hmm. We see that aggressive personality come through with your racing. Yeah. And like you're saying, when you're driven, when you have a purpose and something that motivates you, like that's a tough person to stop. Yeah. And so when I started basically up training again with him. And um, when was this? This was, uh, it was a year ago now to this, to this month. So January of last year. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm going to give a little bit of context off microphone mm-hmm. because to take a year and a half off you had a pretty successful year last year yeah. just coming back into the sport like that's pretty impressive too your first race was a month after you yeah. started training again that was at the u.s cross-country championships and you mm-hmm. still placed what like 22nd or 25th or something uh, like that i don't remember for me it was it was, it was a beat down <laughs> But that's what you need sometimes. Yeah. Like, you need to get beat down in order to be built back up. Well, your Carl's bad one was definitely beat oh, down. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was good, though, to just hop in these races and... and uh, Against good competition. See, see, like, you know, because obviously, like, I'm pretty naive when it comes to competing. Yeah. Um, every race I go into, I, I want to try and be... I want to try and be the cock of the walk. Like, who yeah. doesn't? Like, Off your chest. Yeah, you got that testosterone. Like, let's go. Like, you've been training, so... Let's see. A lot of times that I put the cart before the horse, but that's not so much of a, like, I, I don't... I hope I don't ever come off as, like, a cocky person. I just... I don't know any better. Like, yeah. That's how and I was And you want to test yourself, too. Yeah, yeah for I get sure. That. Yeah. So, like, these races, the first two couple of races, you know, I go in and basically try and run with the top pack and I had no idea 
like what my shape was oh, and I found out guess. really fast <laughs> <laughs> when I started to get dropped but I feel like that's that's good that's good motivation because it's like you know you, when you get dropped you shouldn't see it as like oh I'm, I'm worthless or I can't do this it's like okay I was like, unprepared I just need to work a little bit harder yeah and so that was one thing that me and Dave discussed was like we need to figure out a system to where we can basically develop my body to be a cardio like a, just a cardio machine without getting injured and so we basically sat down and we said okay like let's pick like 70 80 miles a week average but then we were always saying to ourselves like what what do we have to do to get to that next level and so that's where this cross training idea came in so i joke about it with you but to me it's also it's it's fairly impressive yeah you told me in one of our first conversations you'd cross train seven hours a week yeah. on top of running 90 miles a week. Mm-hmm. And part of why you cross train seven hours a week is that, like you said, you were training hard with running, but then you yeah. just get bored during the day. So you'd go to the gym and you'd yeah. jump on the Stairmaster, <laughs> the Stairmaster of all things. That was your cross training modality yeah. of choice. <laughs> so I first started on the, uh, uh, the elliptigo. Yeah. And I liked that because that was like... You could get outside. Well, I was actually on a stationary thing, so you, it was still inside. You would put it inside. up on the... Wow. Yeah, but I would turn on Rig, like... Yeah. I would turn on marathons and like different racing videos on YouTube and then I would just grind. Just Zone turn out. music on and grind, like yeah. just get it done. And, um, you know, when I first started doing that, it was like 30 minutes and then a couple of weeks later, bump it up to 45 and then a couple of weeks later, start hit 60 minutes and... Um, it was very monotonous at first, but it's funny how the mind works, or at least my mind works. It's almost an addiction now. Like, I feel like if I'm not, sometimes I feel like if I'm not doing something at least two to three times a day, something that is going to help get my heart rate up a little bit and get the blood flowing throughout the body, I almost feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm... Losing fitness, you could say. Well, that's sometimes I feel like we have old weight on your left shoulder telling you go cross train, go cross train, and you have Richie on your right shoulder telling you, like, just be careful. Yeah, you're overdoing it. Yeah, we need to make sure it's easy. Yeah. So it's like you do have to be smart about like the work output that you're doing because our system is much different than what you're used to, obviously. Yeah. Which I think we're trying to find a balance between what you're doing cross training wise. I think it's what you're doing now is pool running Mm -hmm. and pool running. At least you're not putting the same force impact. I tell you to keep it easy. We look at it a little bit more like a flush than anything. Um, but it's also a time that you're there by your, I think that's the more important part Mm -hmm. is you're there by yourself. You get to think about some stuff and you kind of work through some of the things that you might be going through and, day-to-day life or with training or with family or whatever it might be yeah to just kind of zone out for a little bit yeah i think that's good um reading a book right now i don't know exactly what it's called but it's basically like it's um analyzing the brain like runners and their brains and um this guy he's talking about the reticular activating system in the brain and he's always talking about Focusing on, um, it could be your next workout or your next race or your next year in running. Like, I think the thing that 
I like so much about cross training is it gives you, and I always you usually try and measure it in an hour. So like if I do something, I want it to be an hour's worth. So at least, yeah. Yeah. So it gives you an hour where you can either meditate meditate on, you know, personal things, spiritual things. You can listen to music. So I usually listen to a lot of reggae. Like I'll just listen to a full album and of reggae music. Is Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Yeah, yeah, he's always talking about good, so good positive. stuff. Like yeah. there's nothing in his music that's ever negative. Yeah. Or it gives you an hour where you can visualize your next workout or yeah. your next race, and I think that's important because you know a lot of things that you can convince your brain, your body's going to do it, and I think it's just a constant battle between. Convincing yourself that I can do this, and then eventually your body's going to follow. So, so is that when you're looking ahead now at when you're in a race or when you're in a workout, the motivating drive behind what what sparks that aggression when you're in the sport? If you had to boil it down to let's say three things, would it be? I'm guessing faith would be one. Mm-hmm. Purpose would be another. Yeah, and the willingness to work, the, 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 the effort, you're seeing a return on that effort. Yeah. And I'll add a fourth. I think community is very important too. Finding friendship. Yeah. Camaraderie. Yeah. Because I was training in Reno. Um, started by myself. I had a friend move out from Kentucky. Um, who's now moving out to who's Boulder. Who's now moving to Boulder. Yeah. Sean Vandermosen. And we had a good, good time together. We lived together. But um, I think just the situation kind of wasn't really panning out too well so we decided to basically part ways and try and look for different teams and that's when I got in touch with Roots and uh, decided to move let me ask you that what when it came to making that decision to then start finding a different training situation what was the interest about Boulder what was the interest about our group um he Sean would talk about Noah quite a bit Mm -hmm. when we started looking at at Roots, he was like, oh, they have, they have Noah Drotty. Like, he's a, he seems like he's a cool dude. And I didn't know anything about it. So I'm like, okay. Like, then I started to kind of, you know, look into it myself. And I think, you know, the fact that um, most of the, the training um, is kind of built off of Coach V Hill mm-hmm. and his style. Mm-hmm. He did a clinic in Reno that I went to, and I really... I really liked him, what he had to say. He was very, that guy is a very community-based person. He's always, yeah, he's always telling, like, you got to watch out for one another. Like, because we're all basically in this together. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a runner or you're not a runner, we're we're in this world together, so let's all take care of each other. Mm -hmm. Um, That was one thing that really stuck out a lot. And then, you know, I was able to sit down and, and have a meal with him, and I just really... I really liked him. He had mm-hmm. he had good things to say. So, um, it all just kind of was looking good, and uh, I was like wanting to be on a team because I think there's definitely strength in in having people to run with and keeps you accountable. Too. Keeps you accountable, and it's nice to not only let it help you build yourself up, but you got to realize that every person's bringing something to the table yeah and so i think the point like the part of being a good runner is always being willing to learn from other people because everyone brings something fresh and what you just said is also a v hill ism he said 
if you're not the best athlete on the team, you better be the best teammate because everybody has to contribute a role. And I think so far what you've brought to our team is obviously that fresh energy Mm -hmm. because that also, like, anytime there's a new person that joins, they're excited, which drives excitement within the team because the training system's hard and it can get old when you are working so hard so consistently. Optimism, because that's something that, like, even if you have optimistic people on the team, having another optimistic person can also drive that. But also, from a work ethic standpoint, like, you're trying to hold yourself accountable. It also helps you keep your teammates accountable. Your teammates, who are also talented, are trying to keep you accountable. Mm -hmm. You guys, one thing I found that is pretty special amongst you guys so far you guys aren't racing repeats, and that is hard to find on a guy a guy's team of five athletes. Yeah. When you guys are doing repeats, I see you guys trading off the lead almost systematically. I see you guys forming a line across the track, shoulder to shoulder, as you guys are finishing repeats. You guys are all in understanding that you're trying to make each other better. Yeah. Even though you're competitive people, mm-hmm. you're finding that competitiveness when you go into a race right now, not necessarily against the person that you're working out with on a consistent basis. And yeah. that can get taxing in and of itself mm-hmm. if you guys are constantly racing each other in workouts, yeah. which is tough to find as well. Yeah. I think the fact that everything's worked out so smooth is, um, is definitely a sign that I, that I need to be here. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I try not to be like too cliche with it all, but... Like every workout I have with everybody, whether it's just one person or we get the whole group together, like it's definitely a blessing. Like yeah. just just to be out here and be amongst these guys, like it's it's really cool. So it's it's a good step. It's a good step in in trying to achieve something that's that's obviously bigger than myself. But what do you think it's going to take to keep that motivation as you keep going? I think just trying to treat every day as a as a you know. A blessing the fact that I get to wake up every day and have a new day to I mean a lot of people might say do it all over again but it's um it's yeah it's just like it's it's nice to be able to go for a run and be outside and especially in Boulder because I feel like there's so many active people it's encouraging to see people out and about doing stuff like kind of gives me hope for like humanity really because, like, I don't know, when you don't see a lot of people out doing stuff, it's like, where where is everybody? What's everyone doing? Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of times people just need to, like, slow down and focus on, like... Just appreciate the present. Yeah, doing something for themselves, like, doing something active, whether you're going out and throwing the baseball to a friend or playing catch or, you know, yeah. running or doing something. Like, I don't know. I think just always maintaining that kind of, um, like, I guess you could call it, like, um, being content with the little things, being content with the simple things. Well, and it's one of those things where when you, when you're physically unable to perform the sport, and there will come a time where you and I both are physically unable to perform it, hopefully with age on our side, Mm -hmm. you you forget the time, the luxury that it is to actually go and do it, and do it well. Yeah. And... The life of a professional runner, we all want to have the careers that like Med does deep into the 40s yeah. with enthusiasm for that consistent endeavor as well. Mm-hmm. 
But I mean, you're you're 25, and say you have a career like Meb where you're 40 when you call it quits. That's 15 years. Yeah. Like that's that's not a lifetime, but it it can be like a lifetime of memories to a certain degree mm-hmm. if you're able to treat it with the enthusiasm that you've started with so far. Yeah. Yeah. So we got Houston next weekend. Mm-hmm. This will be a unique circumstance because some of you've raced some good guys this past year as a pro runner, but this this will be a good international field. Mm-hmm. Like you said, your family will be there too. Has your family been able to see a lot of your races up to this point outside of high school? Um, no, not really. <laughs> so it's uh, it's one of those things where um, you know they know what I'm doing. They know that the, they know half of like the dedication like the the grind that it takes but um they they more see it as an opportunity as well they're like take like do it and go all in with it like if you're gonna do it again if you're gonna try to do this running thing again like don't no excuses don't go in 99 percent because it's not gonna be it's not gonna be it you gotta go 100 like it has to be all or nothing so i'm trying to like really take that to heart every day and I think the fact that I have to be away from them is actually it's sad like I do want to see them more but it's also good is this the first Christmas you haven't been around them um yeah I think so yeah yeah because you were here training yeah yeah they were back in Reno mm-hmm. and it's always hard family is important to me it's uh it's your support system but I think when you're doing something that's like you're potentially trying to leave a mark, you know, leave, leave, like, people hopefully will remember, like, who was this guy, like, what was he doing, you know, they see the importance of that, and they see the passion that I have towards it now and stuff, and so they don't ever, they don't ever give me any grief, they're like, no, you need to stay focused and just basically get it done, like, get it out, so. Well, we're excited to obviously have you on the team based on the perspective that you bring. And we'll be sure to give an update after Houston on how Wade, Willie, and Noah do, um, as well as how some of our other athletes are doing as we approach spring. 